I actually prepared a small reading to start today with. I don't know oh, okay. uh, how, how that sits with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm into this. It's probably about a Wednesday night or something like that. Maybe it was actually more of a, a Thursday morning. It's about quarter to four in the morning. Oh, no. And uh, a message comes through that says, So, since you spoke, I managed to drink out my hangover, get wasted again, and now I'm hungover <laughs> again. This isn't okay. <laughs> yeah, it really wasn't. You got drunk and hung over twice in a day technically it rolled into the next day so i think that's my saving grace yeah yeah i suppose you're right <laughs> it was a two-day bender it was just compacted into eight hours on the plus side i managed to drink so much that i'm fairly certain i've escaped the uh, the cage dreams that have been tormenting me for the last three the three days prior <laughs> even he couldn't penetrate the amount of alcohol in your brain the only way to be rid of the cage at this point chrissy by the wall. Bring me the big knife. No, Ronnie. Bring me the big knife. I'm gonna cut my throat. So in lieu of uh, an intro, I prepared something different. Okay. <clears throat> when you open your face like a big <laughs> metal cage, that's my Nicky. <laughs> I enjoyed this so much. It's such a, the perfect opening song for this this, this film. And closing, it comes I full know. circle. What a moment. Um, let's go straight in on 1987's Moonstruck. What a good thing to watch on a Thursday afternoon. I imagine for your state, it, it helps you right out. Oh, I really did. It really, really did the job. Main thing I want to say right off the back about this film on our Nick Cage podcast is they really make you work for the cage on this one, huh? Yeah, it's a long time. It's about, I mean, 25, 30 minutes into the film, we finally get to see the dude. Oh, but what a reveal it is. Oh. We spoke a little bit about this before in a previous podcast uh, where he said previously in the film that he would he would lose his right arm or, yes, or, or lose his arm. Peggy Sue gets yeah, married. Exactly. When she's in bed, he said, I'd cut off my right arm to, just for another chance with you. Unfortunately, this is his left hand, but how much did you love that reveal where he finally takes the glove off oh. and it literally and I, I know that this absolutely kind of supersedes what I'm about to reference here but why is his hand painted like a wooden Iron Man? <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it's just that same kind of red and gold. All in the, it's just very bizarre. I actually rather unintelligently went, "Oh, he's wearing two gloves on that hand." <laughs> double glove. <laughs> yeah, yeah, double glove. Double glover. Daddy Glover's secret lost cousin. <laughs> Crispin Glover's long lost twin. <laughs> oh, don't don't bring up Crispin on the set. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, they really they really make you work to see Nicky in this. And when you finally do, even the first scene he's in, he accepts a phone call but has his back to the camera the whole time. But just just gives you enough that you can see those sweaty, dirty biceps underneath his bright white vest. You know what else you can see in there? It is that incredible lizard tattoo <laughs> <laughs> i clocked that immediately and i've got that written in cap it was for you um one thing i took from this is that this film very much kind of follows a kind of beauty and the beast kind of dynamic uh, very funny you should bring that up go on <laughs> so there's a bunch of trivia going around about the character um so to, we'll quickly in less than one minute i will tell you exactly what happens in this film daniel i know you haven't seen it in a little while let's get this elevator pitch done give the people what they want this movie starring the very beautiful very elegant share in the lead role oscar winning share she is amazing but we'll talk about that more she is completely believable about a member of this large Italian-American family, uh, and she is playing a widow who had met the love of her life after waiting for years, and before they could 
settle down and start a family. He gets hit by a bus and killed. He's a character we never meet, but it's mentioned a few times to give context to our character. Instead of going for the love of her life, being part of this Italian-American culture that is around it about the family unit being such an integral thing to them, she kind of just settles for a man that she likes that will marry her and it'll be fine. There's a scene at the very beginning where he's proposing to her, but he's doing it all wrong. Oh, it's so weak. It's the worst proposal I've ever seen. The dessert trolley gets wheeled over and he kind of just, <clears throat> will you marry me? Yeah, it's... it's like, dude, you're proposing to share. Like, make a deal out of this. <laughs> no gesture is big enough. Well, can we talk for a moment? Because um, Daddy's character's play is, uh, it's, his name is Johnny. So his brother, his younger brother, is Nick Cage's character, Ronnie. Johnny and Ronnie. Yeah, I know. Incredible. <laughs> Jonathan and Ronathan. Cher's character, after, for some reason, accepting this proposal, then has to go and meet Ronnie to try and patch up the, the brother's relationship so that he can be at the wedding. Five years of no speaking. She's got to make amends so he's at the wedding. And we find out exactly why they're not speaking. And that is the oh. big reveal of what one of my favourite Nick Cage scene. moments oh, so far of just when the glove comes off and he just holds it up and screams at it I lost my hand I lost my bride Johnny's got his hand Johnny's got his bride oh my god it's just <laughs> what an introduction for a character he comes in so hot on this it is insane like th you know this is the first time we're properly meeting the character gotta know what he's all about and he just lets fly and you know exactly what he is all about in no time whatsoever it is such a ridiculous scene where he immediately there is no like the funniest thing about that scene where he flies off the handle and he storms out and he's screaming about his brother and he's saying get the knife get the big knife i want to cut my throat i want you to watch me die <laughs> nobody asked nobody's said asked a thing she just went oh i'm gonna marry your brother yeah then just straight off the bat well i guess i guess i'm all in now yeah absolutely mad he, he's rolled the dice at this point and I, I think it's paid off i really enjoyed that scene he is like a coiled snake waiting to pounce at the slightest mention but no one does but he just goes anyway <laughs> such a trigger finger on his backstory it was so funny <laughs> did you uh, so after this was the one thing that i'd pick out from this is how strange the pacing is on this film. They crack on. So, straight after this scene, um, Cher's character, Loretta, uh, decides that she's going to continue this conversation, but privately with him. So she makes him a steak dinner at his apartment. Kind of funny that he's really grateful to be cooked a steak, but it was something he had in his fridge. He reacts like it's something he's not had in years. She's she's come round the fridge raider. Shares <laughs> alter ego as the, the fridge raider here. Comes around and cooks his own steak for him. He all of a sudden gets very grateful, starts screaming at her, but then out again just flies off the handle. Flips the table. Next thing they're having sex. Yeah. So it's just the way to Shares' heart. It's could anyone other than Nick Cage have pulled off that sequence? Very interesting you say that. I mean, maybe I'm jumping slightly ahead of rounding off the film. The rest of the film is a to and fro between uh, Nick Cage and Cher, where he's like, I'm the right man you've been waiting for, but she's like, I don't know. Her now fiancé is in Sicily visiting his dying mother. There's this great scene right at the end of the movie after a lot of to and fro and a lot of various under the radar family dramas where it all culminates in a fantastic scene where they all eat oatmeal together in a kitchen her fiance <laughs> comes home and says i can't marry you because if i marry you 
my mother's gonna die <laughs> so straight away nick swoops right in there it's insane obviously uh, nick nick's there to kind of break the news to his brother that he's actually in love with his brother's fiance and Cher's uh, character is also there kind of panicking like oh how's he gonna take it this is bad and the moment he comes in it's like I, before before you say anything there's something i need to get off my chest i, you know, I can't go through with the marriage and then Cher just backs down backs down with everything it's just like what do you mean? This is a promise you proposed what do you to me. Mean you're not it's, as if she wasn't me. already trying to get out of it. <laughs> she gives him the ring back, and then Nick's character Ronnie then immediately proposes to Loretta, Cher's character. Nick Cage, the minesweeper. And then Johnny has to give uh, Ronnie the ring, but there's that moment where he's still picking it up from the floor, so it looks like he's proposing <laughs> he's to Nick Cage, <laughs> giving the ring to his brother to give to his very recent ex-fiance. Oh, it's incredible! God, it was funny. That was, really was a big payoff there. But the, and then the, the film ends there. The film ends there, and it's such a a happy note. Kind of everyone got what they wanted. Everyone said what needs said. But there's that moment where you see kind of a Johnny's kind of sat on the side. They're all celebrating, having champagne, and then the granddad of the family kind of pulls him back in. He's like, "Ah, oh, you know, you're going to be family. You should still celebrate with us." And he goes from having this big fucking stinky sulk face on. Nick Cage comes back in as uh, his second role as Mr. Steal Your Girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, typecast again. Yeah, what a surprise. The granddad in this is also brilliant because at the end of that scene, it cuts to him and he's got a hanky and he's crying. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that sweet man. He's so affected by this. How how charming and emotional. He just goes, I'm so confused. Yeah, he has no idea what's going on. Yeah. Who are these people? <laughs> It's all it's all very fun, isn't it? I I I really enjoyed it. A really like genuine feel good movie. Good performances again. Like it's worth it for Cher alone. So so let's talk about the best thing that Cher did in this role is that she was the one that actually managed to cast Nick Cage in this. Thank you. This is you've done a very good job of bringing this full circle. So from what I've read, and perhaps you've read very similar things, a few people auditioned for the role. Nick Cage wasn't even that bothered about doing this film. He wanted to do lots of kind of weirdo punk films that were like statements within movies. That doesn't sound like Nick. Yeah, that doesn't sound like <laughs> our guy. Well, that's precisely why the film directly after this is Vampire's Kiss, which we are watching tomorrow. Oh, that's... <laughs> Let's come back to that. We'll talk about that at the end. Cher was adamant that Nick Cage was the man for the job. He didn't even want to do it. His agent insisted. Very interesting at this point, he has an agent that has that much sway over him. Well, I think Cher was so insistent to the fact that Cher said she wouldn't do the film if they couldn't get Nick Cage. How crazy is that? She backed this dude. So so she she convinced the producers to give him another an, another audition or this, and then he did like an on-screen test with Cher and the other guy they had in mind, and all of the producers were still like, no, we don't want Nick Cage. And Cher's just gone, well, if you don't get him, I don't want to do it. Um, I saw a quote from her saying, uh, along the lines of, he's the only one that can kind of bring that craziness to life. He's got a craziness. But what you know? I love about it is I actually saw uh, a, a televised interview with Nick Cage talking about this film, were about how this all kind of came about and he says when he first spoke to Cher about it and he was just like why are you so set on getting me and she, he was, she was like oh I saw you in Peggy Sue mm. and he was like oh okay and then she's her exact words were your performance in that was like a two hour car crash <laughs> I, I would struggle to argue is Cher negging Nick Cage here? <laughs> <laughs> like, you can see you it's, it's, it's a very in my movie it's very funny uh, watching Nick Cage talk about that on the basis that he's kind of like even he's just like I have no idea why she said that to me and then still said that she wanted me in the movie despite clearly not liking what appears to be the only performance she's seen me in fantastic so good she's like yeah I saw you as like the male lead in a ram romantic comedy that's what this is you sucked in that being this one <laughs> 
I love you got to love that logic. I mean, the logic completely pays off. I think he's great in this role. And I think it's perfectly summed up in that opening one where you say he's on the phone with his back to the camera and you can tell it's kind of like a... Well, he's, he's got that line where she's trying to bridge the gap between the two brothers. He just screams down the phone, what's wrong can never be made right and just slams the phone down oh, in what can only be described as a pure Sylvester Stallone moment. Your hunch was bang on. He is clearly a massive Sly Sylvester fan. Yeah. That's not his name. <laughs> Sly Stallone fan. And was just like... <laughs> I think we go Sly Sylvester. Sly Sylvester. He's real sneaky, that cat. What I will say, however is although cage was was great in this i i really enjoyed his performance he was he was very likable i don't feel like he i don't really get where Cher was at i feel like it didn't have to be him that played this this part i don't know i think it's she plays of she's very exaggerated in the way that she acts and that's why i think that chemistry between the two of them is great at any point when they have standalone scenes i don't think either character particularly fits this film Mm. but when they're both together on screen i think it's great I, th- I think that is the right choice. They seem to have genuine chemistry. Yeah, you're completely right. I do partly mention this because I wanted to, to bring something else up. What I wanted to talk to you about is an unnamed segment that I'm loosely calling What Could Have Been. Okay. And what I'm going to do to get us into the gear for this segment is is tell you a cage fact that I learned very recently. I'm very excited. You know I love these facts. Yeah, this is um, this is quite something. So, here's something I learned recently that I thought was very interesting about our good friend Nicholas. Uh-huh. Nick Cage was director Sam Raimi's first choice to play Norman Osborn or the Green Goblin in the Spider-Man movie in 2002. Oh, for God's sake. Obviously, he went on to meet Willem Dafoe, yeah. who was the perfect the perfect fit for that role. But a imagine a universe come on come on down with me to the multiverse where we imagine a universe in which <laughs> nicolas cage played the green goblin in the spider-man movie i just got sent on a total trip again it's hard to imagine a world where willem dafoe did not play the green goblin but imagine nicolas cage as james franco's daddy <laughs> ruling oscorp flying around in that green suit and throwing little pumpkin bombs at mary jane watson It just sent me on a trip, man. But then I started thinking, as we know, Nick Cage uh, is, well, I'm unsure whether he's uh, a time traveler at this point or if he's just unlocked the ability early on to, you know, traverse the multiverse and he's essentially planeswalking between the different realms. Okay. Early on, he was getting all these hints of things that were going to come in his future. That's why he's been dropping all these hints to us throughout all of his movies the whole time. I mean, we saw a great example today with his hand missing, you know. The details aren't always exact, but he was getting close. But obviously, in in Raising Arizona, we watched yesterday, he is confronted with exactly this, where he meets himself from an alternate timeline who's Ghost Rider and defeats him in one-on-one combat. What I'm proposing here is that Nick Cage has been able to travel all through time and space, and he has played every part imaginable. Yeah, no, I think I see where you're going with this. What I would love is if, if every day, just for a minute or so, you and I could speculate on what could have been. 
And I would love if you could hit me up with a, a an alternate reality Nicolas Cage playing a famous role and how that would change the world for good. I actually thought about this the other day with mm -hmm. um, when we were saying about how Peggy Sue was kind of, it was the year after Back to the Future. Okay. And I couldn't help but think how good a modern day Nick Cage is, now that he's a bit older, would have been at playing Dr. Emmett Brown. Wow, you're completely right. He's got just, he's got just the right level of kookiness to him and like... Equally, there's parts where Doc kind of snaps at Marty because he's not doing a great job that I think he could really ham up. I think Marty would be in the ground at this point. <laughs> no remorse from Emmett at this point. I'm going to leave you in the fucking future, you yeah. loser. <laughs> Take your hoverboard and fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> that about wraps it up for what could have been today. I like that. It's like, uh, it's like a real-world face-off. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> I just wanted to, to pepper in a bit, and I just wanted to get you and anyone listening speculated um, because it fills me with great joy to, you know, imagine Nick Cage as Neo for example oh god okay so let's 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 limit this to one at a time that was just a teaser <laughs> but let's also get anyone 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 that is listening to this if anyone is still listening to this <laughs> feel free to uh, to drop us a tweet with your theories about who cage could have been how it would have changed things we'd, we'd love to do that and then try and pick up on some of the best ones on the cast gladly and just you know i'm sure we've got some talented friends and listeners out there on photoshop who could whip up some fantastic movie posters oh god i things i would love to see right now i've got i've got a few that i'll i'll be dropping in the next couple of days i personally would have loved if nick cage got cast as the genie in the new aladdin but oh my god <laughs> <laughs> okay okay moving on from what could have been <laughs> you have to give me a minute there mate that's that's an image that just burns into the retinas isn't it that's... it can't be unseen from your mind just eye. when you think like the will smith version upsets me enough and then all of a sudden it's nick cage's face but still with that fucking top knot oh yeah <laughs> oh i could just see it's like nick cave looking like he's a fucking extra in avatar <laughs> no he would just look like a smurf <laughs> oh my god i mean he did almost name himself nick nicholas blue oh very true they, well, so, so here we go he knew I'm telling you, man, there's he, he, more to he this. He knew, not just about his films, but the fact that we were going to bring this speculation in. <laughs> he knew all along. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be some Scooby-Doo reveal where it turns out I've not been talking to Ben this whole time. <laughs> it yeah, turns out to it. actually be our boy, Nicky. All right, it's time for another thrilling round of... Cage match! <laughs> a, a day on and that's not got less ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, can't, I can't believe we've hit that point in the podcast where we've got a budget for bell props. <laughs> <laughs> on today's instalment of Cage Match, we are pitting H.I. McDonough from Raising Arizona. And he's a, he's a strong winner from the last one as well. Yeah, like he, he won in a 4-1 landslide, but he did not have particularly tough competition. Well, today he's got very tough competition against Moonstruck's Ronnie Camareri. Oof. There are a few categories in which the athletes will be pitted against one another. Let's get right to it. We're starting out with straight up likability. Oh, this is a tough one. Because if we go back to the actual film in Moonstruck... Everyone in this family's kind of a bit of a snake. Yeah, everyone's sneaking around. Cher's dad's cheating. Cher's cheating. Like everyone, there seems to be like everyone 
is just i mean the the guy that like she's now engaged to was a friend of her dead husband yikes every it's it's a very little inbred family situation going on there so really given the the context in which the character lives you've got to admire ronnie just for being as straight up as he is yeah. granted he steals his brother's fiance that's not yeah, cool under not any not very likable however i do admire his just straight to the pointness about it however pitted up against hi mcdonough who just found a woman he loved and repeatedly got himself arrested just so he could see her i know how can you not like that guy i think that's one nil he's just a lovable goofball isn't he hi mcdonough takes it one nil herbert herbert ian mcdonough (laughs) takes it in the first round next up we're going to straight up strength this is a competition of course this is a difficult one because I think that Ronnie would have this if he had both hands. He works shoveling coal even with just one hand. Yeah, very true. He's he's a hard guy. I think he's a strong dude. He wears a vest through most of this. He doesn't to, appear to, to have the dad bod as much as he did in Raising Arizona. So I'm going to say that that's, that's one all from there. I think I think Ronnie takes it. I'm right there with you. That's one all, a tired game. Next up, we're moving to agility. Now this is a bit more of an esoteric one. It is, you know, about their physical ability to move around, but also just the way that they navigate the world in which they're in. Okay. But continuing what we were saying yesterday... Can we really take away from Herbert, maybe Ian McDonough's (laughs) chase scene throughout the supermarket? I, I I feel like he will never get toppled until we meet Ghost Rider. No, I feel like he is the top trumps of agility. Yes, yeah, totally. So I think that that's, that's got to be 2-1 to Herbert. Surely, I mean, everyone and their nan is shooting at him in that scene, and still he prevails. Next up, we're moving to round four of the competition in this tense match. We're moving to straight up appearance. Oh, it's, it's a weird one, because once Ronnie starts making an effort, when, they, when he goes to the, uh, they go to the opera together... I have got to hand it on a silver plate to Ronnie for this yeah. one. He scrubs up in a tuxedo. He like he makes an effort for the woman he loves, but he's still like he's still dirty and sexy and rugged. But equally, he's got this suaveness about him, and he dresses casual for when he meets the family. He's in this big puffer jacket. I think he just kind of had it. He had it all going for him. Really, he was a versatile character. He's a cool guy. There's no way around it. He's an angry guy, but he's also quite a cool character. Yeah, I think that that is a. It's, that's a big factor. He's got to take it to make this a tied game, which comes down to our tiebreaker for H.I. McDonough versus Ronnie Cage. Ooh. Who's got the cage factor more of the two? I mean, I think the more iconic lines probably come from Ronnie, but maybe the more iconic acting and the uh, actual fight against future self Ghost Rider. It was legendary. My vote's with Herbert on this one. It's a very close one, but I think he just edges him. But let me remind you about the first time we meet Ronnie and he says, I bake bread, bread, bread. <laughs> And goes on to tell you that he lost his hand and he lost his bride. But Johnny has his hand and Johnny has his bride. Johnny does still have his bride. He screams, pointing at his hand, which he's just removed the glove from. Like, that was, for a character introduction, that was some cage. It really was brilliant, wasn't it? This is a really tough one to call. To trip this early into this segment is quite something. I'm going to say just purely on the basis that he talks a big cage, but he doesn't necessarily let the cage out. Uh, physically, whereas we do see that full fight scene with Herbert in Raising Arizona. He does defeat himself from an alternate timeline, and that's quite cage. I think that that's a good cage move. I think he's just got him. You know what? By a hair, 
He moves on to the next round. H.I. McDonough is today's cage match qualifier. We're going to have to see how he fares tomorrow against uh, Peter Lowe from Vampire's Kiss because that's oh. going to be a very tough character to be on any... <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, I'd like to ask you before we get into the heart of some, some more segments is... Is this a cage classic? I've been thinking about this for a while because it was fun. I found this very difficult to make up my mind on the fact that did I just enjoy this because I've been a big hungover mess? <laughs> and it was a nice, sweet film. Yeah. Was it background enough that I enjoyed it or was it genuinely engaging and I loved it? So I, I'm going to say yes. I think it was a cage classic. But I also think my answer would probably depend on the mood that you, I went in watching it. Yeah, I'm, I'm unsure if it was if it's per se a cage classic or if it's just a really good film he's in i think the moment where he is screaming at his hand and you know what you're completely right it's it's worth it for that alone isn't it that, that bit was so and, and just after that like i said where he managed to uh to bed share which is the most insane thing yeah where the, the build-up to that he kisses her stops kicking her yells son of a bitch picks her up <laughs> she goes where are you taking me to which he just goes to the bed <laughs> In just there's absolutely no remorse about that. There's a Neanderthalic charm to his character, yeah. isn't there? But then he's all of a sudden, then there's the uh, like I said, the opera scene where all of a sudden he doesn't just scrub up. His, his, his appearance isn't the only thing that that scrubs up. I've got two loves in this world: you and the opera. If I can have both on one night, I can die happy. I thought he was just a bread guy. I didn't think he had the opera in him. Yeah, he does bake bread, bread, bread. After all, bread. It seems like we're both. <laughs> I mean, we saw how close the cage match was. It seems like we're both big Ronnie fans. But on top of all of that, I would love if you could be nice to Nikki. As far as being nice to Nikki, I, I mean, the acting again, fantastic. I'm trying to pick out just one scene, but there's so many great ones. I think the way he acts in that bit with the oatmeal, where he's clearly kind of fighting a is he wanted there, is he not, and he's just completely nonchalant towards it all. Is that I'm going to get this done? No one's going to stop me. It's, it's a really, so good. it's really great. Between that and just the fact that the way he has that on-screen chemistry with Cher, I think it's I think it's brilliant. That's 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 me being nice to Nikki today. The way he scrubs up for the uh, for the opera, it's like that's a big ten out of ten Lord of War for me. Yeah, oh, you know it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd just like to give props to to Nikki because he far and away was the youngest person involved in this film. Oh, by a long way. Cher's got 18 years on him. The person playing his brother's got 31 years. Like, he is, he's still a boy at this point. He's probably 24 years old. And hes he's got chops. He, car he carries it all. I know saying you acted well isn't a particularly imaginative way to be nice to Nicky, but he acted well surrounded by a lot of people under a lot of pressure. It sounds like they didn't want him there, but he went for it anyway. And sounds like he did Cher proud. And then did Cher. I mean, he showed up a young guy who had a sex scene with Cher. Yeah. He's done very well, hasn't he? He's done great out of this. Good job, yeah. Nicky. We're pleased for you, man. I don't think we even need the uh, the what were you thinking round in this, because yeah. why would you not? Cher's literally gunning for you yeah, <laughs> to be in on, this film. Dude. You're not going to say no to Cher. You'd be an absolute fool. I wonder if we ever get to see them on screen together again. I'd love to find out. I've been excited to see... Who who else we're gonna see 
Nicolas Cage co-star alongside. I know Samuel L. Jackson's joining us later down the line. Steve Buscemi pops in. Malkovich comes along. I know we're going to get some uh, some Travolta in, in due time. Travolta. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. So I, I'm interested to see who else he's going to play off against. And like that will kind of be its own internal cage match to see just who shines the brightest on the screen. I'll tell you what I'm quite interested in right now, Ben. What's that then? Can you survive another round of Quizzless Cage? <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, one way to find out there is one way to find out so in this i'm going to put you my friend ben as uh loretta castorini your mm. shares character in this and i'll be ronnie okay. and i'm going to yell at you a bride without a head and i'd like to know how you'd respond oh i would say i'd look you dead in the eyes and i'd say a wolf without a foot that's incredible you're absolutely oh, right <laughs> oh thank god uh, yeah, I, I know originally this film, and this is to bring very full circle to the point I tried to make maybe 30 minutes ago. <laughs> We're not good at staying on topic here. No, this but is... that's fine. It's fine. It's The cage is open. The ideas are flowing. My podcast technique is similar to Nick Cage's acting style. <laughs> I've got a lot of ideas and I'll throw them in willy-nilly under no one's jurisdiction. They're, they're not bullet-pointed. This isn't a diagram. This is very <laughs> much a, just throw everything at the page. Originally, this film was to be called The Wolf and the Bride. Ah. Nick Cage was playing the, the titular wolf, uh, in essence, of this, and he took that very literally, and at one point was modelling the voice he was doing for his character to be much like that of the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. A big, gruff kind of thing, uh, until, once again, he was asked to stop doing the voice. Yeah, I did see a little bit of this, because it's not the, the Beauty and the Beast you may be aware of, it's the French version. It's a, f- oh, a French wow. classic version of the film. And yet that's where he gets the idea, there's the, the moment where it's the hand reveal and things like that. There's there's a load of different... Well, that may have been Metropolis. Mm. Either way, there's there's a lot of references to a load of older and foreign films throughout this that he was trying to kind of dial in the characters for. But yeah, uh, he was asked to, to stop doing that yet again. So once again, he's been snubbed out of playing the role how he wants. Probably much to this may have Cher, who was after that kind of a bit crazier character. It's difficult to imagine him playing this character any crazier than he does, because at any point he gets to fly off the handle he really just goes for it yeah he, he doesn't he doesn't hesitate to so off the back of this playing it reasonably safe romantic comedy film he didn't really want to do it apparently it's very interesting to note that after this he went direct to eating live cockroaches in vampire's kiss which we are watching tomorrow <laughs> i can't wait for you to experience this <laughs> never seen it i know you have before you've been doing a good job of getting me excited for it i know within the the cage community can't believe i just said that out loud but that that's heralded as being one of the first times that he really seems to get to do what he wants to do i'm trying not to build it up too much in my head but I am looking forward to it. I'll tell you what, I, as one last little bit of hyping you up for this, All right. I think we should close out today on a cage fact for you. Oh, yes, boy! <laughs> All right. Uh, this one uh, is actually... Getting a cage fact is like being tucked into bed and getting a nice kiss on the head. From Nicky himself. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Sleep good, baby. A little handshake from every single one of Jonathan's tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> so... On eBay, there was a listing made for a photo from the 1870s of a man who very much resembled Nick Cage. What? With the headline of the listing, Nicholas Cage is a vampire. I mean, yes. Cage has seen this, oh. and he has he has said that there is a definite resemblance, but he was referred to, he said, his doppelganger is a 
and this is the direct quote, slowed down version of him. Whoa. What the fuck does that mean, Nick? Is it him? Is he a vampire? Is he has he gone full method ready for tomorrow's film? Well, this is what I mean, man. Someone's found a photo of him from back in time and said that this man is a vampire, and Nick went. Oh, that gives me an idea. I mean, if the guy doesn't die, maybe that's where his obsession with the pyramid comes from. Oh, my God. This theory is that I don't know where it's going yet, but there is something going on here, people. And we are going to get to the bottom of this if it kills us. And it quite possibly will. So if we're now speculating that he could have been around in Egyptian times, can we go back to our kind of face off idea where he could have been someone from other films? You mean? How do you feel about Nick Cage as the scorpion kick? Oh, my God. Get out of my head. (laughs) Right, That's enough. We're calling it there. That's enough for today. All right. That's it. We've clearly been spending too much time together let's let's end this here vampires kisses tomorrow it's gonna to be a great old time good job today nick we had a really good time with you daniel as always thank you so much for your time sure nicholas thank you always a pleasure to spend time with you and like we say every single day here on uncaged despite all my rage i'm still hanging out with nick cage goodbye everybody <laughs> <laughs>